0: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I will say that I have experienced the least harm in sex work versus my interpersonal relationships because in sex work, I am explicitly in charge.
2: What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lo Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life. Just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now let's talk Off the Cuff.
1: Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am your host, Danny Lopriori, and today I am joined by therapist, educator, sex worker. I can't wait to get into this conversation. It's going to be (laughs)
2: fantastic.
1: Raquel Savage. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here.
1: Absolutely. Sex worker, obviously a term that has one of the most negative connotations in the world, right? Now, I think, obviously, it's a little more accepted, like a lot of things in the world today. But to actually openly call yourself a sex worker, was that something that you had to think about or were you just like, no, I'm down with it. This is a part of my brand. This is what I'm going to go with. Like, where did you get the confidence to exude the sex worker?
0: It's so funny because I got on Twitter in like 2013 and was just like tweeting anonymous like sex stuff. I like to talk about sex a lot. And so that's like how I started building my Twitter following. Yeah. And then I moved to Miami and I started selling pussy and I started talking about it on Twitter because I am someone who is authentically myself, no matter what space I show up in. And so I started talking about it on Twitter because that people talk about their lives on Twitter and that was my life. And so I didn't originally identify as a sex worker or even know that was a title that people used. Essentially, what happened is as I continued to talk about being on yachts and shaking my ass and whatever else. People started calling me the sex worker. I'm the sex worker. Oh, that's that sex worker. And then it turned into kind of an advocacy thing, like me talking to people how I'm talking to you about like, yeah, sex workers are human. we deserve rights. we are deserve to be affirmed in therapy spaces, whatever else. And so it kind of became a part of my brand accidentally, although I one hundred percent identify as a sex worker and don't regret that it kind of came about accidentally. So it wasn't like really by choice. it was like people identifying me as them.
1: So you're in Miami now.
0: Yes, I live here.
1: There you go. There you go. (laughs) There's a lot of money to go around. Everybody knows how Miami gets down. So just even like growing up, were you promiscuous? Is that the word that we use nowadays? Like, I don't even know like what word we use.
0: So I definitely wouldn't use the word promiscuous just because that has such a loaded connotation. And it
1: really does. Like, I don't love that word either.
0: No. And especially for women. So I would say that I was very free with my body. I was very horny all the time. Similar to how I kind of just said, I've always shown up in spaces authentically as myself. That's how I was when I was younger too. I'm trying to explore. I was the bitch at the sleepover. Like we should kiss each other girls. I was the one at sleepovers being like, I would like to like taste pussy and like, let's see what that's like. That was naturally kind of just a part of who I was. And I think that also is what ultimately informed me becoming a sex worker. It was like I had graduated with my undergrad and I was trying to find a job. I couldn't find a job. So I was trying to figure out like what am I good at? What skills do I have? How could I monetize something quickly? And I was like, I know how to duck dick. So let's see what the vibes are. And it just kind of went from there. So yeah, I've always been very free with my body. I've always had a lot of confidence. I've always felt that my autonomy is central to who I am and that pleasure is something that I deserve and am good at giving.
1: The next question that I have, though, is there are like some dangers, right? With sex working, right? What do you do to like make sure you're in the safest positions, like at all times? Dudes are weirdos. Dudes have fantasies of like kidnapping women or hitting women. I'm just going to go out there and say it killing women. I almost compare it to like an Uber ride, right? You think you pay for it, right? So you could treat that person like shit. And in the meantime, it's that person's personal car. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: On one hand, yes. On the other hand, no. And I'll tell you both. It's so interesting because men are creepy. Men are fucking scary and violent. And the thing is, the majority of people who engage or have any proximity with men are navigating this exact same question, whether they're sex workers or not. Right. For sure. The majority of us experience harm in our interpersonal relationships, like our boyfriends, our uncles, our dads, our bosses. I'm always so fascinated by the assumptions and perspectives that people have around sex work and how they potentially are separate from like our day-to-day life when they're really not. Because the same question about sex work would be just me as a woman, like how do I sure. navigate Proximity to men because men are generally fucking horrifying and scary. I
1: agree. I agree.
0: To circle back to your actual question. I will say that I have experienced the least harm in sex work versus my interpersonal relationships because in sex work, I am explicitly in charge. And I don't mean that from the perspective of I'm a dom. I mean that from the perspective of in order to see me, you understand that I'm the one who's taking you on as a client. You are sending me money. I am in charge of telling you what my boundaries are based on the service that I'm providing. And when we are in relationships with people, we very rarely have those kinds of conversations around boundaries. And it's just we start dating and it's like, oh, the assumption is I can do this, you can do that. Or. Or this is what a relationship looks like. And that's typically where harm like flourishes. So the most harm that I've experienced by men has been in my personal life, not in sex work at all. I want to also very explicitly say that my experience in sex work has been one that is very privileged and I have had the capacity to vet my clients and the majority of my clients have been like celebrities and athletes also. So they have public platforms. If they would do something, then there's like a whole other kind of accountability system set in. Right. Whereas the average sex worker is like a street-based sex worker who doesn't have that same privilege. And there are higher risks in terms of engaging in that kind of work. But I want to be specific to say that it's not because sex work is inherently dangerous. It's because men are fucking dangerous. Patriarchy is dangerous. And the hatred of women and sex workers is what makes it dangerous.
1: So my next question is, how many NDAs have you signed in your life? You
0: want to know something funny? I have made them sign more NDAs than they've made me because men are stupid. Part of my brand is that I'm the boss. So I'm not going to be building my platform on, oh, I fucked this person. I went to this person's house. I would never do that. But it's easy to see how women are able to do that because men don't be asking for fucking NDAs. They're dummies. I have literally been like, I'm going to get you to sign this because I don't want you to talk shit because Men, it's men, you know. It's
1: Wow. Wow. All right. So let's start rattling names off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but my next question is just to stay on like the topic of dudes, right? Do you think that a lot of men confuse like chivalry and almost like domination, like at the same time, every guy says they want like an old school wife, right? A cooker, a cleaner, a shusher. You know what I mean? Uh, a mother and all that stuff, but that time is like long gone. People have to get with the times. But do you see like a direct link with like chivalry and like almost like sexism? It's almost like they kind of go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, I mean, chivalry is part of sexism. So chivalry for sure functions on the idea that women are inferior or need saving, and it appears as if it's like this kindness thing, like. It's not like you are less than me, so I'm gonna do this big thing. It's more of like, let me open the door for you because this is my faux sense of kindness. But the reality is, is there's always an expectation on the end of like, if I take you out to dinner and I pull out your chair, then I'm gonna get to fuck you later. It is sexism at its core.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: And it's different from like altruism, for example, which is just selfless care for other people. Chivalry is like kindness with conditions. So yes, chivalry literally is sexism.
1: Well, I always look at it too, right? So it's like people get upset if like people have types or if people have like a certain type of girl they either want to be with, hair, whatever, skin tone, race, whatever. I'm talking in our, around the realm of sex work.
0: It is quite common that men who are married to a particular kind of woman are seeking out sex workers who are in opposition to that for their whatever their desire is, for whatever their interest is, for whatever their curiosity is, if it veers into like fetish stuff, it's a slippery slope pot- potentially. But I would not say that seeking out a particular kind of worker is inherently problematic. But that is also like with an asterisk of, I need to know more about how you show up and treat people because like if I'm seeing a white client, for instance, and he's coming in, he's like, Ebony newbie and queen, my grand rising i would punch him in his shit and be like get the fuck out you're obviously a fucking racist so it depends
1: it's weird because a dick can be racist yeah you have a racist penis
0: yes but it's really not the penis it's really the mindset that fuels the For penis sure. and For that's sure. where
1: yeah. <laughs> that's where the implicit implicit bias the racism in this head could travel to the racism in that head clearly yes that's what it is like regular dating right Mm -hmm. How many dates does it take for you to be like, this is what I do for a living?
0: First of all, I don't just date. I'm not a woman who's like, has always had a boyfriend, you know, like, oh, I always have a man around. I have no proximity to men unless they're giving me money. So let's just start there. Second to that is if I am going to date someone, they most likely already know who I am. They follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or I we have engaged on one of my platforms that means that they know me. And so that dating me means that you already know everything about me. You know, I'm going to get online and talk about A, B, and C. You know, I'm going to continue being a sex worker. You already know that going into it. I don't think I've ever dated anyone. And it's like, got to have the conversation. Although disclosing your sex worker identity is a huge part of what happens in dating for most sex workers. So although that's not something that I navigate because people already know, and I'm just forthright, that is something that's difficult for a lot of sex workers.
1: It seems like you have the perfect mindset for sex work.
0: Accidentally, totally accidentally. But it's really just because I think it's also because I'm autistic and it's like, this is who I am. I'm going to be who I am. I can't really be anything else. So it's like. Yeah, accidentally, I ended up being someone who's just like, this is all of me. And you either are going to fuck with it or you're not. And I'm not going to feel bad if you don't. But that is definitely not reflective of like the average person generally. Like most people are self-conscious about things or have self-esteem issues or want high parts of their identities. And then especially for sex workers who naturally, because of stigma and criminalization, need to protect their sex worker identities.
1: Absolutely. Thoughts on sugar daddies.
0: I don't personally like sugar daddies because I'm not doing girlfriend experience. I'm not doing like, oh, I like you and I care about you and I think your jokes are funny. I'm like cash at me right now for me to breathe in your direction, (laughs) like kind of. So I don't do the sugar daddy route.
1: You knock the hustle.
0: Absolutely not. No, I support all forms of sex work. And I think that being a sugar baby is a particular kind of skill that I don't have. Similar to like strippers. They know how to like finesse and sweet talk and like make you think that they are they love you and all the shit. And I don't have that skill. So I could not, I can't do that kind of work.
1: All right. So walk me through it, right? So so-and-so, right? Just had a, a great game or whatever. And they'll text you and be like, yeah, what's good? In gala right now, come through. Now, is that going to be followed with a cash app request? Or do you like sometimes you just kind of go and like see the vibe?
0: I never just go and see a vibe. No, never. I am not a go and see a vibe bitch. That's not my ministry. And this is also why there is a large like community of clients that I'll never have because there are some clients who you go and you vibe with them for free and then they end up being extremely generous. And so it is worth it. And that's why like sugar babies do end up cashing out. But I just don't even want to waste my time. I don't want to potentially go and laugh at a man's joke for an hour and then I get nothing out of it. Like I get nothing out of interacting with men. So it's give me my fucking money. <laughs> Run me my fucking check. So yeah, no, you got to get the bag. So if I get a pull up text, I don't even normally have to say anything. They already know. Oh, I just zelled you or I just cashed after you. They know that because I have them well-trained. So how do you set a rate? It's a good question. I mean, similar to any other market, you know, you see what other kind of similar people in your area are doing, you based on your skills, based on your history in the industry.
1: So like, it was just spring break in Miami, right? Does the Mm -hmm. rate go up? Or does it stay the same?
0: I just have my flat, this is what I have to leave my house. And that's that. But that. that has obviously gone up over the years. And that number is also informed by like, who I am and my skill set and my uh, what is the word discretion and, you know, all of that, like white women get way fucking more money than me, for instance, or I get more money than perhaps like a street based sex worker. So like rates vary and they also de- vary depending on like survival as well. You know, if, if you really need $50 for something, then you go and engage in a service for $50. So it just depends on like where you're at.
1: Yeah, I think if this country legalized prostitution and sex work,
0: Uh
1: you know, decriminalized. Yeah, I think we'd be out of a lot of that, uh, whatever trillions of dollars of debt that we're in. They started with weed, which is nice but it's still not legal everywhere.
0: But also, I think part of the issue is if they legalize it, they will be able to monetize it in some capacity. But sex workers don't want legalization. Sex workers want decriminalization, which means there are no laws, period, that the government cannot be involved in anything that we do. So I think if there was legalization, there absolutely could be a way to to benefit the government. (laughs) But we- Pussy tax. Correct. We want full decriminalization. You are not a part of it at all.
1: Now, when it comes to certain situations, like have you ever just been like, "No, nah, I'm good," and gave a refund?
0: First of all, I would never give a refund. Once I leave my house, the money is mine. First of all, once it hits my account, the money is mine. So I'm not refunding it ever. But there's never been a time when I've shown up and like something has happened, and I've been like, "Oh my god, this is yeah." No, I don't think it's ever happened. But that's also because I do a good job of like vetting people first to make sure that we're on the same page, even if it is on some weird shit that I'm. I'm aligned with the weird, shit. right? Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the word weird gets a negative connotation too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude wants it to is, walk it out, of there with a, you know, with a strap on on his chin. Like, let him do whatever he wants. You know, it's more
0: likely that that I would walk out with a strap on. So there's that.
1: That's the thing. Do you think that <laughs> ego plays any part in sex work? In terms of what? Like, you have to like kind of like dom the entire sitch.
0: No, definitely not. I mean, every sex worker brings a different like swag and a different skill and a different vibe to the table. And there are some sex workers, for instance, who their entire kind of brand or personality is uh, being submissive or being a sub generally, whether that's like uh, in the BDSM world or just that their personality is naturally more passive. There are some sex workers who are naturally more inclined to the girlfriend experience. I don't consider myself a dom. I don't have the experience to call myself a dom, but I'm just more dominant as a person. And there's a distinction there that I think men very often get confused because they believe because they are dominant as a person, which that's even questionable, but if they're dominant as a person, that means that they're a dom, which is not the same thing. A dom is a particular set of skills. So yeah, I'm just dominant. So it's going to go my way because that's how things go. In my, that's what I do. That's my life.
1: <laughs> okay. Now here's another question. Do sex workers have beefs?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like you guys will see each other in the street and like, it's like, not like I'm set it on you or anything, but it's almost to the point where it's like, yeah, we don't fuck with each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have conflict, just like everybody else, depending on what the, the context is. I have never personally experienced that. I mean, I'm very, I'm someone who's very much so like, I want to put anyone that I know on some money. So if I have homegirls who are sex workers and I have a client, I'm going to be like, yeah, hey, you should see my homegirl. You should go link up with her and, and she should get a bag. And I would never be like, oh, don't see him because I fucked him. Like that's never, it's the opposite. I'm like, yeah, you should definitely link up because he's got a bag. Go meet him. And I'm also not like possessive or you know, part of the other work that I do is conflict resolution work and working with people around what comes up for them when they have conflict and how to minimize feeling activated when they have conflict. So conflict stuff is also like one of my skill sets. So that would not be an issue for me.
1: Were you always like that? Like even as a like a kid when it comes to conflict resolution, I always felt like I was pretty good at that from like a really young age.
0: No, I would say I did not come into my like full self around processing trauma and working on things that activate me until I was like 25. I'm 32. So okay. from 25 to 32, it's been great. Under 25, I, I'll fight. No, I wasn't good at navigating conflict. And part of that though, was because people weren't good with navigating conflict with me, particularly people who had more power, teachers, parents, family, and they would behave unethi- unethically with me. So when you feel powerless, you're going to show up in your fight or flight On whatever kind of way, so for me, it's fight. Okay, I know it's not safe to engage in conflict. I'm just gonna fucking fight. So it wasn't until I really, yeah, had more autonomy to navigate conflict that I became good at resolving it and confronting it.
1: What's the relationship with family like? Because I think that gets a negative connotation a lot of the time, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of sex workers aren't able to disclose their sex worker identity with their family, or they have. They've been cut off from their family because they are a sex worker. I'm really fortunate that that's not my situation. I've been, again, forthright with my family from the very beginning. And my mom knows the only person in this world who knows who I've actually fucked is my mother. If like the dolphins are playing, she'll text me and be like, Oh, wish him good luck or something like that. So she's the yeah, yeah. only one who knows. And I tell her she knows all the T. She's the only one. And that's because my mother is white. I'm half white, half black. So it's like she has no connection to any of this. There's like no possible way that she could like tell people.
1: Link to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like I just tell her she knows everything.
1: Damn, dude. We have to book.
0: And she also follows me on social media. So she sees everything that I post about too and my right. dad was involved well. so yeah like family they know
1: i think if you're not as forthright as you are that's like a much harder conversation to have
0: yeah i mean i think that i'm i'm extremely like lucky i'm really privileged not only to like be the person that i am in terms of my personality but also that i have a people around me who are mostly open to who i am and that's not the case for most people like m- what i experience in my life is Very much so. It's rare. It's not often that it works like this. For most sex workers, it is really difficult, and it's not even necessarily because they like lack confidence or they're not fully authentic. It's because people don't make it safe to disclose that. Like people hardly talk about sex in their families, let alone sex work. So it's not an easy topic to broach.
1: Yeah, like I've been fired from jobs just because of like my content, like singing about on the internet. I'm sure I've been fired for that. Like I can't even imagine. If like, exactly. like, hey, come in here. We want to talk about your OnlyFans account.
0: Exactly. Correct. So it's if it's not safe, yeah, people don't disclose those identities, which puts them at risk for more harm because they're isolated and they can't tell people in their community what's going on with them. So it's really fucked up.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Do you want kids ever? No. So you've, you're you married to the game.
0: <laughs> I don't necessarily want to be a, a sex worker forever, a full-service sex worker. I mean, I'm going to always... but no I'm not interested in kids I've never been interested in kids I'm happy to be like an auntie a fun auntie like I'm the auntie for sure that people can come to and be like I masturbated for the first time and I'm like oh you talk about it and like oh I want to have sex or like I'm gonna be that kind of auntie
1: the sex therapist auntie
0: exactly correct and like therapists generally because anything related to like mental health and well-being that's like my special interest too
1: I feel like there's a thin line like between a healthy relationship with sex and an unhealthy relationship with sex.
0: Where do you see the line?
1: I see the line just from a male perspective. Mm-hmm. Like if you're jerking off too much to porn to simulate, all right, my so-and-so is out of the house or asleep. I'm going to go to the bathroom and jerk off at 2.30 in the morning. Not the healthiest thing for me to be like, you know, if you have a partner there who you could, I hope, express that you're horny to Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, listen, like I'm a little bit horny and I'm making it almost a routine to go in the bathroom and jerk off. Do you want to unpack that? Listen, I'm an open book, too, right?
0: (laughs) So what about jerking off in the bathroom at 2.30 a.m. is potentially problematic?
1: What I think is problematic about it is if you have to feel this sense of this is something that I could share with my partner. Like, I, get, I should be able to share with my partner, like, I want to fuck or like I'm horny and then also be able to deal with motherfucker, I'm tired. I have work tomorrow.
0: Yes. What would be some barriers to someone saying to their partner, I want to fuck? Like, why might someone choose to go jerk off rather than say to their partner, I want to fuck?
1: A lot of it has to do with male toxicity. And the reason I'm going to tell you this is why men don't like to hear no, especially from their partner. Mm-hmm. Who wants to hear no from their partner? nobody Mm -hmm. because you're like oh like you're the only person i'm supposed to have sex with so like i want to have sex with you and you don't want to have sex with me fine i'm gonna go fucking jerk off then
0: yeah it's like hurtful
1: that's Mm -hmm. what it is
0: and so then in this scenario is the problem the jerking off to porn or is the problem an issue with ego a rejection problem self-esteem patriarchy ownership kind of stuff possessive stuff misogyny
1: See, I think it's all encompassing though. When it comes to certain things, your ego can be driven to all aspects of your life. Like your ego just doesn't start with sticking your chest out; yes. it could be sticking your dick out too. Look at back in the day, the guy who fucked the most girls was the coolest. The girl who fucked the most dude was a slut whore in a negative way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so it even starts with that. So now you think that you're the king of your household and. You know, you walk around like King Midas and everything you touch turns to gold. And when your dick gets hard in your mind, you're like, this is my woman who should service my dick.
0: That's the problem. So if I were the therapist of this person and this person came in to see me, likely they would say my problem is with porn because that's how so many people are beginning to think about their problems around sexuality is, oh, it's porn. It's porn. Porn is the problem. I have a porn addiction. I can't stop doing this thing. And then when we start to unpack and I hear more, then we get to what you just said. And the problem is not actually the porn and the problem is not even the jerking off. The problem is you believe you should have access at any time to your partner. So let's talk about that. So it's always interesting for me to hear people talk about these kinds of things, especially with like the porn addiction stuff, because very rarely is it actually a dependence on porn. Most often it's shame, stigma, patriarchy, misogyny, all of these other things that need to be unpacked. And it's not even about the porn.
1: For sure. But I legitimately have friends who can't come during regular sex. I would love to talk to them. I have two friends that I know just immediately that not. Climax during sex, but can only climax while watching porn.
0: I would love to talk to them because, again, it is very often that people then put the blame onto porn and to put their their the blame onto like their masturbation or that kind of make make it into a problem when there are other things that are going on. So at face value, I absolutely would not say that the problem there is porn. I would need to hear more because most likely there's something else going on.
1: The accessibility of porn of whatever you want to see. Like if you want to like see a chick get smacked in the face, it's right there. If you want to see a chick get beat on, you can see it. You want to Absolutely. see a chick get choked, you can watch anything you want. Absolutely. And then if that's something that you're really into, I don't knock it, but a lot of times people feel that shame like they can't express that. 100% their partner because they're going to be like, "You're a fucking weirdo."
0: Yes. And so in this instance, the problem is shame, not the porn. It's the shame. So we work through the shame. We identify the shame piece. Exactly. Game of Thrones.
1: Game of Thrones. I had a friend once tell me I want to like talk more in the bedroom. And I was like, then fucking just do it. You know, and then just have the conversation afterwards.
0: Well, how do you embody that? Because it sounds like you are similar to me, where you just show up and you just do what the fuck you're going to do, and the consequences come after. So, similarly for you, if you're in a sexual situation and you want to say a thing, what in you allows you to just do it without any thought about, oh, how it might look or how it might sound, or I'm going to feel stupid or this is embarrassing?
1: Life is too short. (laughs) You know, to not scratch that itch in a safe way, scratch that itch. My thing is, I don't judge anybody until you kill someone, right, unjustifiably, and then you do some shit with kids. Those are like my two big things.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot between nothing and that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Free reign. I treat people how I'd want them to treat me. I'm a face value guy. If you don't like me, it's whatever. I have enough friends. Yeah. Even... What translates from, like, just who I am as a person, like, to the bedroom, to, like, answer your question, is I've always been like that. I feel that somebody would expect that from me, from knowing me, when we get to the bedroom. Right.
0: They already know what's up based on your personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: There's nothing lost in translation. Like, I'm not going to be, like, real quiet and then just be like, yeah, it's fucking dope. Just fuck over there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's going to be like, oh, like, that came out of nowhere. Like, like someone's going to be like, all right, that's what I fully expected. If this guy talks, you know, like, that's what this guy, like, talks about. Do you, you know? think like,
0: that you could teach that skill or embodying that to one of your friends?
1: I think I could. But like you said, I think it, it starts at a more deep-rooted. It really goes so deep. Like, Freud was so fucking, like, on his shit, which is, like, so kind of crazy. Because, like, listen, like, if you were being expressive as a kid, right, and your mom, like, told you to, like, shut the fuck up.
2: Mm-hmm. like
1: that could follow you all the way to like how when you're in bed like oh like i'm not gonna say anything yeah you know what I mean? like dude you'd be like yo like i don't moan in bed bro like i'm not doing that like i'm a thug when i fuck i'm like yo i'm a fucking i'm screaming dude <laughs> you know what i mean like I'm whatever is coming to my body is happening you're just gonna take it or leave it that's it
0: Yeah, we are probably two lucky people to be able to embody our true selves without much fear, because that's not the experience of most people. Most people really are full of so, so, so much shame.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's like I feel the one place where you shouldn't be anxious and you shouldn't be in your own head is sex.
0: It would be nice if that was not the case.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, like a lot of people are just like and I'm not talking about like people with, with sex trauma. I'm just talking about people who are just naturally anxious. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, Am I sucking his dick? Right. Am I eating her pussy correctly? Like, is she even going to come like this? Is what? I, yo, bro, just go for it. Like, I, I've told so many of my friends, like, this has worked for me or I've heard that it's <laughs> for someone else, you know, like. Just go for it.
0: This is exactly why when people do come to me with sex related issues, they think that it's going to be like, oh, teach me how to do this thing. And really, it's like, no, let's unpack all of the trauma and stress and shame and stigma. And what were the messages you got as a child? And what religious trauma do you have? Like, that's all that's there. And then we can talk about how to suck dick. But before that, we really can't because you have all of this that needs to be unpacked and resolved first.
1: Absolutely. We're going to switch it up a little bit. So you tell me about Zep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm also a therapist and I do trauma work with all kinds of clients, but predominantly black and brown folks, queer and trans folks, and sex workers. And after I graduated with my master's in, I think it was like 2017 in counseling, I decided that I really didn't want to go work at a regular like fucking therapy place. I haven't worked a regular person job in 10 years. At that point, it had to have been like five years. And so when I graduated, I was like, I don't want to just go work at a place where I'm seeing like fucking white straight people talk about, I don't know what white people straight, I don't know what they talk about, but I don't want to fucking deal with that as a therapist. So I was like, I'm not going to start working until I'm able to open up my own center where I'm able to serve my community and the things that are important and passionate, like I'm passionate about. So I started Zep Wellness, which is a nonprofit and we offer free mental health and healing services to black and brown folks, queer and trans folks and sex workers. And we also offer rent relief funds for black trans women sex workers. And we also have the Equitable Care Certification, which is a training for clinicians and therapists to learn how to work with sex workers as therapy clients. So we do a lot of things, but it's all related to mental health.
1: I love it. Now, I'm half Puerto Rican and half Italian. Can I qualify for ZEP?
0: The Puerto Rican and Italian in you? Yes. However, we do not offer services to cishet men. Our oh, come on! It's not on men. <laughs> so, come on, dude. We have enough problems. We, we can uh, find you a referral somewhere else, but our focus definitely is on women, fem people, queer and trans people. So. But you can boost the services to people who you know are not men to come. All right.
1: I can do that. I can do that. I guess I'll have to take advantage of one of the other thousand other corporations that i can get into i guess
0: yeah I, I don't think you'll have a problem finding something that's catered to you
1: well, i always said you know i was uh i was white in the streets and you know i was brown when it came to applications
0: <laughs> yeah so you are not our demographic technically you can boost zep to literally anyone you know who might benefit from our services
1: i love it so i want to actually stay on that for a second trans rights Mm-hmm it's kind of crazy if you really think about it, right? Because I feel like the gay community started to get their rights. And I feel like the gay community kind of forgot about the trans community for a little bit. Yes. The gay community was like, listen, like we have this right to get married. And the trans people were like, yo, we want to get married too. And they were just like, sorry. You know, like I feel like gay didn't really rock with trans. And I feel like in a way, like, it's still like that,
0: absolutely. I mean, just like any other like identity, there's a spectrum of like who has the most proximity to being privileged and proximity to being marginalized. And cis gay folks are definitely marginalized because of their sexuality. But they are like the least marginalized when it comes to gender, and they have the most proximity to cis hetness. So they essentially rallied for their own protections and their own autonomy. And then they were like, fuck everybody else. And that's often what a lot of people do, not even just privileged people, but people who occupy marginalized identities too. It's like, I'm worried about my own things and everybody else is fuck them. So it's, and, and also I would say that the people who are at the forefront of the like gay marriage stuff were white gays and they especially don't give a fuck about anybody else. So there's that too.
1: It's weird because they'd lump all those letters together. Right. and then they, they portray this image like, yeah, we rock with everybody. But like.
0: And this is why I don't say LGBT. You have not heard me say I LGBT. I say queer and trans. And when I when I talk about the communities that I work with, I normally say queer and trans or QTGNC, queer, transgender non nonconforming, because LGBT, first of all, like that as like a what's it called? Like that little those, those letters. Acronym? Yes. Whenever I hear somebody say that, I just feel they're white. I just feel like that's, it's, it just sounds white. I don't know. It, and I don't know if it's because it's like been co-opted by white people or what, but I just hear LGBT and I'm like, that's white people, I don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. So I focus on queer and trans people.
1: Well, let me like LGBTQ plus like. Square. I'm like, yo, is this a subscription service or is this like giving
0: ally? Yeah, it's like ally white. I'm like, no, thank you. I need people who have proximity to like black trans people. If you don't have proximity to black trans people, you probably are not going to understand what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Do you work with like actual? Well, actually, I mean, obviously, you do with Zep trans sex workers. Do you Mm -hmm. think they're just at a higher risk just for trouble? Absolutely. Either being attacked, and again, a lot of that goes to Guys, yes, transphobia, mm-hmm. having transphobia, and then feeling like, oh, if, if this person were to come out and say that I did this, I can't do it. Like, people just look like it's like straight up like transphobia. Like, they'll be like, I hate trans people, I'm gonna kill them. Right. No, like, they'll have sex with them and then kill them.
0: Right. Yeah. That's the scary part. It's really horrific. Yeah. Black trans women for sure have very, high rates of experiencing violence. And again, similar to kind of what I said about sex work earlier, it's not because sex work is inherently dangerous. It's not because being a Black person or actually being a Black person is inherently dangerous, but it's because of these systems, right? Like it's not because sex work is dangerous. It's because people hate sex workers. People hate trans people. People hate women. People hate Black women. So if you are a Black trans woman and a sex worker, you absolutely are likely to experience more violence. And the other part of that is because if you are a Black trans woman sex worker, for instance, you... Because of all those identities, you are more likely to engage in sex work that is more precarious. So you're probably you might be on the street. And if you're doing street- based sex work, you have less capacity to vet clients. It's literally like a if a car pulls up, it's like a few seconds to be able to assess whether the person is safe or not. We used to have sites like Backpage and Craigslist that added a layer of protection, but then those got removed. So, Absolutely. But again, just to continue to drive home, it's not because sex work is inherently dangerous. It's because of all of these systems that make it horrific and unsafe. If all of these systems weren't so horrific and generated so much violence and harm, people would be able to exist without experiencing violence and harm.
1: That's the hard thing, too, because if you think about it, also, it's like, you know, athletes, whatever. They get to have like physical therapy in their work and they have counselors and shit. I'm not even just saying in terms of decriminalizing it just for like money wise. But then you like have a chance to really open up stuff on a wider brander scale. Like let them have STD screenings that are covered. Let them have therapy, trauma therapy that's covered. Yeah. You know, it's like people love to fuck. They do. Let them fuck. Agreed. But not only, yeah, for money, and then put in, a, put in some kind of system, yes, to protect pretty much essential workers. I guarantee you, if sex was decriminalized, prostitution was decriminalized, you guys would have like qualified for like all the the essential.
0: <laughs> we would have been essential workers during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, you guys would have been essential workers during the pandemic, and you guys would have been able to go to those hotels, and you guys would have had all that stuff.
0: I agree. Can I give you a bit of language? Yes. So instead of saying prostitute, you could say full service sex worker,
1: full service sex worker.
0: Yes. And yeah. if it's a street based person, you could say street based sex worker or you could say street based full service sex worker.
1: Just prostitute just doesn't slap anymore, right?
0: Prostitute does slap if you are a prostitute, just like nigga slaps if you're a nigga. But if you're not a nigga, don't fucking say nigga. Prostitute is such a loaded word. It has poor. It's a it's a police word. It's a cop word. When people say prostitute, I think you're a cop. And it has just a bad connotation. And it's, of course, filled with so much like judgment, stigma, history. There's so much there. So yes, prostitute slaps. If you are a prostitute, I call myself a prostitute. And especially to reclaim the word because people try to use it negatively. I'm
1: an ally because in terms of being an ally, is I just it's so fucking corny. I just want people to be happy.
0: Yeah, I would say I make people happy.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean? I've never seen somebody that busted in and out and they're like, yeah. Oh.
0: Unhappy. I agree.
1: An hour later, maybe some stuff happens, but in that moment, everybody's hanging out.
0: Everybody's hanging out.
1: Everybody's hanging out and having a good time. So I have a couple more questions. I know your time is limited, so I'm just going to fire off a couple. Does size matter?
0: Do you want my educator therapist response or do you want my Rock House Savage response?
1: I want both.
0: I would say as a therapist and as an educator, I would say no. It depends on the person. It depends on what activities you're engaging in. So. It depends on the person, depends on the activity. Not everything revolves around dick anyway. Like it's not centered around dick. Who gives a fuck about your dick? I want a nut. So there's that. On my side, I will say, personally, I prefer a little bit longer and a little bit girthier for a couple of reasons. One is because I have a big ass. So you have to be able to accommodate that. Get up in there. Yeah.
1: You don't want them to disappear.
0: Yeah. And that happens. So then it's like, then we got to troubleshoot how to, you know, how we're going to So there's that. Yeah. And also like when it comes to, I don't really care so much for penetration or like getting drilled out, but I do like being filled up. And so that's nice if it's girthier too, because then the sensation of being filled up is nice. That's my like full spectrum answer. Okay. I like small dicks too, because I appreciate a small dick. I appreciate like trans man dick. I appreciate all the dicks. I just love the dicks. So there's that too.
1: Dicks are fantastic.
0: I'm going to make you feel like you have a big ass dick, no matter what you pull out your pants.
1: So that's why you're at the top of the game. Yes. All right. Uncircumcised or circumcised?
0: I love a turtleneck. What? I love a little extra. I love a little, oh my God. Give me a little wizard sleeve. I love it.
1: You're ready to rock.
0: I'm skilled at both and I don't really care, but I love to make sure that, uncircumcised penises feel good because i know they can be like embarrassed or it's like you know whatever but it's a dick and i love dick
1: two guys two girls
0: are the girls actually gay are we talking about threesome yeah 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 okay are the girls actually gay are they like really down
1: for the call I'd say they're bi but like they're de- they're super down like it's not like oh my god i'm in college
2: it's exactly. like
0: exactly okay all right yes Because let me tell you, I don't want that. You know what, though? I'm still going to go with two guys because I'm going to tell them what to do. And I I would also tell the girls what to do. But it would be a little, I don't know. It's like, it depends on my mood. I'm going to just like off the cuff go with guys.
1: There we go. Single date, guy or girl. Do you ever have a preference sometimes?
0: Uh, For a single date?
1: For a single date. Like if you had to do a one-off, would you rather do it with a guy? A girl girl yeah elaborate a little bit
0: women are so much more interesting we're gonna have things to talk about we're gonna kiki we're gonna it's gonna be cute men are like fucking boring and have no personalities and don't know how to hold conversation
1: yeah whatever (laughs) straight cash or gifts
0: no cash i don't want gifts i'm not a gifts bitch i don't have bags i don't have shoes i don't have jewelry i don't have none of that shit i don't give a fuck about any of that i want money i want my rent paid i want extra cash i have a lot of businesses to pay for i gotta if for whatever reason, Zep, we lose our funding, I got to pay everybody's fucking salary for all of the businesses that I run. I fund them if no one else does. So I need money.
1: Okay. All right. When it comes to you, because I feel like a lot of people who are at the top, they kind of forget that, you know, like if you run a company, you run a business, a lot of times they forget uh, that you have to deal with stuff yourself as well. Are you in treatment?
0: Do I have a therapist? Yes. Of course. Yes. I have a therapist. I mean, I've been in therapy on and off my entire life, but I've had the therapist that I have now for the past like six or seven years. And we've been doing EMDR trauma work, which I also facilitate for that entire time. And it has changed my life and I love her to death. And absolutely. I have a therapist. Yes.
1: Cause like sometimes it'd be like, yeah, like I love the show that you do. I was like, you guys know I'm in treatment like twice a week at least.
0: Yeah. No therapy. I'm in therapy. I'm a therapist who has a therapist.
1: Okay marriage yay or nay to a man whoever
0: to a man i'm probably gonna say no and here's why i am not a wife type bitch and I, when i say this okay i want to say i don't know a man who would want to marry me and i don't mean that because i'm not a bad bitch i mean that because i'm not the bitch who's going to be rubbing your back and oh what do you want to eat and let me clean your clothes and rah a rah, rah. so
1: you go too though
0: i'm not doing that I'm yeah. not so. I'm gonna say no. Now, if it was a man who was like non-monogamous and he's rich and he's like, you can do whatever you want. I'm gonna help you fund all your businesses, and he's you know fine and he's funny. I would marry that. Yeah, I would marry him. But it can't be. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not not traditional marriage.
1: Would you ever marry another sex worker who's a woman? Just be like boss bitches.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I mean, like my actual community and the the relationships that I'm building are not centered around romantic relationships. They're centered around people who I care about and love deeply, who are all women. I don't have any male friends. So it's all women. and I absolutely would like legally partner with the woman for whatever benefits that may get us to further our like ability to have community.
1: Love the way you finesse retirement plan mm-hmm. Does the pussy ever retire?
0: in what sense?
1: you retire? the hang your jersey and the rafters and shit. And like, you know, you have a ceremony. And then what's your plan after that? Because like, as a comedian, too, it's like, oh, like, I guess I should make a 401k and like a Roth IRA.
0: (laughs) I already have those. And I invest my money. So I already have all of those set like the white people would. But I'll also say that for the past few years, I was retired. I haven't sold pussy since 2019. So technically, I am in retirement and like dabbling coming out of retirement currently, I am in my comeback season because I just moved back to Miami. So I was in Vegas for the past two years and I just was like chilling and now I'm back in Miami and the money is the money. But what I was going to say is two things. One is I don't think I will ever stop identifying as a sex worker. I don't think I will ever Stop selling pussy in the capacity of having financial expectations of men. If I'm dealing with men in any capacity, that means you are showing up in my life financially, whether that's directly giving me cash for fucking you or whether that's us dating and you helping me with my rent or helping with my businesses. I will always be a sex worker in some capacity. The other thing is I want to say this because it's important for listeners Sex workers like comedians don't need retirement plans. We're cool if we sell pussy till we fucking die. It's fine if a sex worker is selling pussy at fucking 70, because this is a career. This is a job. This is something that people do for survival. So it's totally fine if there is no fucking backup plan. If there is no plan B, it's okay if your only thing that you do is sell pussy, even if you're a street based worker and you're just hustling for the money that you can to pay for your rent or to feed your kids. So that's like two sides of my answer.
1: Well, we're going to wrap it up there because those were absolute bars. Before we leave, I have the last question I ask everybody. Get it real quick. Are you happy today?
0: I am. I really am so happy because I just moved back to South Florida th- last month. And South Florida really is like my home. Like I touched down and I felt like in my soul, I'm back home. And it's not only because there's like money here, but it's also because I love the water. I love being in the, like at the beach. I live currently where I can see the bay and the ocean. I feel really blessed with like my housing and just the lifestyle that I have. So absolutely, I am really, really happy currently. Are
1: you? I am happy. Thank you so much. You're like the third person to ask me that. So I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, reciprocity.
1: Can I call you Miss Savage?
0: You can call me King Savage.
1: King Savage. Listen, King Savage, thank you so much for coming on the show, where can everybody find you on the internet? Info about Zep, plug whatever you want, no pun intended. And let's just keep it rocking.
0: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter, Raquel underscore Savage. That's R-A-Q-U-E-L on Instagram, Raquel Savage. You can follow Zep Wellness at Z like zebra E-P-P. And that's like P like Peter. Zepp Wellness on Instagram and Twitter and our website is also Zepp Wellness. I also have a production company, Kink Media Group, where I've produced like different kinds of podcasts and web series. You can follow that. I have Cunt Productions, that's C-V-N-T, and that's an adult porn production company. You can follow that, just Google it. And I also have the equitable care certification, which is our certification for therapists to learn how to work with sex workers. Same thing. Google equitable care certification. And you can follow my OnlyFans and give me money. OnlyFans.com slash Raquel Savage or PayPal.me slash Raquel Savage. And just send me all of the coin and you can make donations to literally any of my businesses if you want to support them.
1: Absolutely. Absolute boss. I had a fantastic time. Thank you so much for coming on. You can follow us on Instagram at one one OTC also on TikTok at one one OTC. And uh, listen, King Savage again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm looking forward to just following your transcendence. Thank you. Absolutely.
2: Thanks for joining me on another episode of off the cuff presented to you by one one life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together, and you're never alone. Peace. Entertainment.